Good morning, everyone. Uh, Hope City Church. I was here last year when it was Grace Laverne, and I, you know, I've gotten to know a little bit about the, the story, and it's really moving and really exciting, and I love the name because I, um, I have kind of this deep conviction that uh, as human beings, <clears throat> we're hardwired for hope. And if I you know, stood up here and sort of listed off all of the problems you know, that are in the world, and I said, guess what? They're just going to get worse. None of, us, none of us would resonate with it. Because I think deep inside of us, we have this belief and we have this hope. And I think as followers of Jesus, even a deeper hope, a deeper reality of the kingdom, that the best is yet to come. That, that Jesus' prayer of thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's entirely possible. And so um, I think that we're deeply hardwired for hope. Like Chris said, my name is Andrew Devaney. I'm, I'm very thrilled to be here. And I remember very well when I was uh, in seminary, uh, kind of wondering what sort of course my life would take, if I'd be a pastor, or what career <clears throat> endeavor I would follow. Hearing the words from uh, a theologian named Christopher J.H. Wright, and he said, it's not so much that God has a mission for his church, but he has a church for his mission. The church was made for mission, God's mission. And those, those words, you know, kind of, they like struck a chord that no matter what I did, that at the very center of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ is to join God in his mission. Because his unshakable kingdom marches on. And the beautiful thing about it is that he includes us. And we get to be a part of it. And it's joyful and it's hard. And through our work and our worship, through our prayers and our singing, through our service and our sacrifice, we join God in participating in his unshakable kingdom. Amen? So, so I, I get the privilege of um, sharing a little bit about uh, work that is taking place on the other side of the world, and I hope that it inspires your hearts. Uh, but to do that, I want to give us a little bit of context for the place uh, that, that our, our work takes uh, root in, and, and to do that, I'm going to ask some questions, and so I need some participation, if that's all right. Don't leave me hanging. Um, I would love if you could raise your hand if you have finished the seventh grade. Some people are still working on it, maybe. <laughs> if I was to ask that question to a room full of adults in East Africa, particularly in a community that we work in in the country of Uganda. Statistics show that maybe we would have 15 people raise their hand. Then I said, if I said, all right, well, keep your hand up if you finished high school. And the number gets cut in half. Keep your hand up if you finished university. The number becomes fractional. Uh, in the video, you heard some of these statistics about Uganda where the leading causes of death are uh, malaria, 
HIV, AIDS, typhoid, tuberculosis, number six leading cause of death in the country is diarrhea. I think in in Uganda there's uh, currently between 45 and 50 radiologists serving a population of 45 million people. Kids walk hours every day with little jerry cans to get water, to bathe, to cook, to take care of their life necessities. And I bring up all these statistics because I think that in a room seated here in the state of California, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for me. I've been there like 25 times now. It's hard for me to comprehend because we didn't grow up leaving the house, walking down the road to go get water. We didn't grow up knowing people perhaps who passed away from diarrhea. We don't know adults who haven't finished seventh grade. Are you guys with me? But there's something about it, though these are like, you know, super, very superficial differences. There's something very deep that runs underneath them that actually connects all of us. It's that we're all a part of God's household. And in God's household, we're all his children. And every single one of us matter to him. And every single one of us are made in his image and his likeness. And so when I was in Uganda, obviously, you know, you go to these situations and you see what you see and it's heartbreaking. But I think one of the things that gripped me as a, you know, young 20-something was actually how our best efforts to help people get out of the situations that they were in were perhaps perpetuating the problem. That our best efforts of charity or aid or helping was actually keeping people stuck in the problem of poverty. Keeping them trapped in these cycles of dependency that I, what I felt ultimately marred their dignity as image bearers. I think part of being an image bearer Part of reflecting God, a God who's a creator, a God who's an initiator, a God who blesses. And so the poor, more than anybody in God's family, deserve the opportunity to create and to bless and contribute and to, to be a part of the change that they hope and dream and pray about for their families and for their world. And so it was in 2015 after some years in college where I had these long summers over in East Africa, I kind of went with this MO or mode of operation of not wanting to help, but wanting to learn and wanting to listen and wanting to build friendships and to see how God was already at work. And so we started an organization called As One. out of the prayer in John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for believers then, all of us sitting in this room today, and he prays that we would be one as he is with the Father. It kind of goes on and he says, and that through that, the world would know him. And, you know, so during that time, young college kid believed, you know, entirely in the possibility that God would want to use me. And God would want to do things through us. And I met these wonderful guys, Henry and Henry, you know, stayed in a little house with them, learned to fetch 
water with them uh, down in the valleys. And it was a remarkable experience, and I believed in them. And I believe that God had possibility and surprise kind of embedded within our friendship. And so uh, we started this work to be dedicated to the country of Uganda, a country that Winston Churchill called the Pearl of Africa. I recently was talking with a friend who had been to Uganda, and he said, you know, you see all these challenges, but there's something about the place that feels magical. And it's lush, and it's beautiful, and people are hospitable and joyful. And uh, it's, it's a population that has 70,626 villages. And in those villages are 45 million people. It'd be like if you took the entire population of the state of California and you put it into a country the size of Oregon. I don't know if Oregon would like that. <laughs> Oregon's got 4 million people, so 11 times the population, same geographical uh, size. And of those 45 million people, 50% are under the age of 18. You know, the majority of the world's youth is in, is in Africa. Another statistic that I'm just going to throw out is 86% of the world's population lives in the developing world. 86% of the world's entire population. And the majority of the church is now in the southern hemisphere, Southeast Asia, Africa, Latin America. And God is on the move in these places. And so our work and our mission is to make disciples of Jesus and create sustainable solutions in education, enterprise, health, and agriculture that holistically addresses poverty in rural, underserved communities. And the heartbeat behind what we do and our hope and our dream is to create a movement of Ugandans empowering Ugandans. To put the world's poor in the driver's seat of their own change. People who grew up in the very circumstances that they're fighting could be the ones that are helping others come out of it, impacting people in the community, raising up the next generation. And so we're doing this now in five different communities across Uganda. And the first one is a little community called Namayemba. And this is where I you know, first stayed when I went to Uganda. And it's where I got malaria for the first time. It's where I slept next to a room where Joyce the cow lived, and uh, you know, the pit latrine was behind her uh, little, little stable, and it was, it was like, like I said, it was a magical experience. It was also uh, very boring at times, and kind of miserable, and quite hot, and uh, I fell in love with it, and people you know, loved me, and took me in, and took care of me, and um, sensed that deep um, sense of interconnectedness. And so this little community runs along a main highway that goes all the way from the capital city in Kenya, Nairobi, all the way to the capital city in Uganda, Kampala. There's tons of traffic you know, going through this area, but a rural, highly underserved area. So that's the first area that we work. Second is a community called Runya Bihuka, which is in a landlocked kind of mountain range area, um, you know, two and a half hour drive from a paved road, uh, the closest schools on the other side of that mountain was where kids would walk. And uh, the area didn't have any electricity, no running water. The first time I went there, just one borehole well. 
in the community. Uh, the third community is one called Iduti, which is just next to Namayamba. It's the neighboring district. Uh, Iduti is about 40% Muslim. Uh, most of the Busoga region in East Africa or in Eastern Uganda is uh, there, there's a high Muslim population, also considered the poorest region in Uganda. So this is Iduti. Then uh, Kabaramaito, as you're way, working your way north in the in the eastern region, is uh, a city where former president, long time ago, Abote is from. Saw lots of development in the early 50s, and nothing since then. So you kind of see these older uh, buildings from the 50s and 60s, and and it's been you know, quite dilapidated since then. Very little investment. And then lastly, our newest area, a village called Matuba, in that Busoga. Uh, eastern region of Uganda. And our work in this community, the goal of, of our work is to build a school, a medical clinic, a farm, and two businesses. With a Christ-centered model, we actually utilize donations as capital to buy land, to provide investment, to build up the infrastructure, buy the initial equipment, provide the startup costs, so ultimately we can have a self-sustaining operation in Uganda. So everything it takes to pay for our operations there, like salaries, uh, ink for the printer, uh, supplies at the school, food that the kids eat, that would actually come locally uh, from within the economy. And it, you know, we see the ways that it's gotten given dignity and ownership to people within the communities. And ultimately it gives us runway and opportunity to invest in people for Ugandans to invest in their own people, uh, like Chris said earlier, because we believe that people and relationships are the currency of God's kingdom. People with rewired motives, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by love, willing to sacrifice so that others can flourish. Those are the people that we believe God works powerfully through. And so in 2018, uh, after a couple years of trying to figure some things out, uh, we decided to begin to build this model that I described. And there was just a couple of us. It was me, and then in Uganda, uh, we had three employees. There's Henry. That's a little skinnier version of Henry now. Uh, Sylvia, and a gentleman named Stephen. And we had a little office building, and we had a guest house that you know, we were trying to get people to come see what God was doing in Uganda. And we began building a school in that community called Runyabihuka, uh, started a school in the community of Namayamba. And since then, you know, we've just been able to see tremendous growth across the country. So go to the next slide. That very school is in the bottom left-hand corner. Um, so in the community of Namayamba, you know, we have a high school, we have a medical clinic, a farm, two businesses that we run and operate, that bakery you know, this year will produce over 300,000 units of bread. And the cool thing, like talking to people who work there, is uh, you know, the, the, their answers about what it means to them has surprised me over the years. You know, There's an older woman once who said to me that as she was working there, uh, I said, well, you know, what's the best thing about working here been for you? And she said, I, uh, I feel beautiful. I'm able to make something. People, it's like I, I'm wearing a badge. They see me when I'm walking through the community. Kind of these unexpected answers. Uh, in Runya Bihuka, I have a similar thing. I have a high school with almost 300 kids. Um, they're walking these tremendously long distances 
to get there, a farm, starting a health clinic, businesses. In this next slide, uh, all those red roofs, they weren't there just a couple years ago. And, um, you know, since uh, COVID, government has, the government's actually brought running water. They've brought electricity, you know, over that mountain range, poles brought electricity all the way to this little village. And I'm reminded of the proverb that says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Um, you know, it's brought just this life and vibrancy. And um, you know, people will say, I didn't think anything good could ever come out of this area. And so they just wear this, you know, pride. It's really beautiful. Um, E-duty, have a primary school, building a clinic, have a farm, you know, continue to expand this model as well in Cabramino. But even these pictures, uh, like in 2021, we just had blank land. So this next picture, you know, I took these in March of 2021, and we were just starting on foundations. So a lot has happened in a really short period of time, and then we just started working in the community of Matuba with a medical clinic, and next year we'll begin with a school. And our short-term vision is to fully develop these five communities, um, and we think that the impact is just exponential. Um, by 2025, once these communities are fully developed, we'll have over 250 employees in Uganda. We'll get to serve 2,500 students every single year, 25,000 patients through these medical clinics. We'll train 15,000 farmers. And we'll be able to generate $700,000 locally from the world's poorest communities. So Ugandans, are, you, know, so we, you know, I get to go visit and listen to these staff meetings, and it's like, no, 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 that, the change that's happening, the impact that's happening, it's not other people doing it for you. We're the ones doing it. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, to get to see. So uh, as to date, uh, currently we actually have 125 employees. I made this slide about a month ago. And you know, we just got done interviewing for these future medical clinics that we're opening up. We have 40 open positions, and in two weeks we got 400 applications for nurses, lab techs, Midwives, I mean, just remarkable. Uh, 850 students this year we were able um, to, to work with. We were able to train 6,000 farmers on improved agronomic practices, work with 3,000 unique patients at the new medical facility that you saw in that video, and we're operating at 65% sustainability this year. So with tons of investment, a lot of new entities starting up, we just feel like it's a, we're on a fantastic uh, pace to see this vision come to life. Uh, so in 2022, I want to point out a couple things, a celebration. Some of you that I met uh, last year when I was here, and a lot of you have helped create this change, so you should clap for yourselves, because it's, uh, it's really, really cool. I mean, a lot of you have supported what's going on. Uh, in January, we opened that medical clinic on January 18th. Uh, we opened and reopened schools in Uganda, so we opened new ones, and we reopened schools. Schools have been shut down for two years because of COVID. Uh, there was no online learning. There was no opportunities like that. So students sat at home. Uh, statistics showed that it was like one in every four teenage girls uh, was becoming pregnant. Hospitals that I visited there, they were seeing their average uh, age of motherhood drop from 23 to 17. Really staggering. Um, and so beautiful to get to you know, welcome kids back this year after a challenging two years. Um, we're, then we're currently building four medical clinics in Runya Bihuka, uh, E-Duty, Cabra Mido, and Matuba Mayuge have these clinics underway this next month. We're planning to paint them 
And we're going to start to equip them because we have a shipping container coming over with over 18,000 pounds of medical supplies. Uh, the equipment that will help equip these will also purchase some things locally so that they can be up and operational by the middle of February. Um, and then for our schools, uh, we've been able to add almost 15 buildings to our uh, current school campuses, and that's included housing for students and teachers that live at the schools that maybe have to come from really long distances. Creates this really fun culture and environment where they have their own church, nightly prayers. It's really beautiful. Uh, and then uh, classroom space so we can continue to expand uh, the impact through, through the schools and those communities. Uh, if we go to the next slide here. Uh, we're also were able to make some investments into our agriculture sector. Purchased 29 acres of farm land in one community, 36 acres in another community. We're able to generate revenue through those to be able to pay for this farmer training program that reaches just tons and tons of individuals with um, fantastic practices that are really improving their livelihoods. Uh, we opened two new businesses in the community of Rania Bihuka, a tailoring uh, business and a carpentry business that function as like a made-to-order business and simultaneously can provide vocational training for our students as they're graduating, can help send them out uh, with job skills to go compete in the marketplace. Uh, so anyways, fantastic things going on. Please do clap for yourselves because you guys have helped make this possible. Um, and so to end, I want to just tell a couple of stories that I view like little seeds of just kind of ripple effects of what God's doing over there. But the first one is about a mother named Catherine. So Catherine is a single mother of seven children, lives in the community of Namayemba, and Catherine has a daughter named Beth. And Beth's this beautiful girl uh, who in 2020 started attending the Aswan High School. So two months into school, uh, school's closed down, uh, the pandemic hit, and Beth had already been coming from a struggling background. She was, only, she was having to go to school quite far away uh, and was struggling uh, pretty bad in her academics with reading and writing as well as speaking English. And more than that, Beth lacked self-confidence, as she would describe. And so during the pandemic, uh, you know, we'd have teachers getting on motorcycles every single week and they were driving to kids' homes and they'd bring these study packets and they'd do little group learning lessons in the village. You know, and I'd get pictures of teachers on boats, you know, rowing across lakes and rivers to be able to get to students. And, and during that time, Beth's confidence uh, began to change. And she came back this year, and she's kind of like, you know, a light entered her. She's beaming, and she was excited. She couldn't stop talking about how much she loved her teachers, how much they meant to her, how much they've done for her, and how much she loves her fellow students. And she's determined uh, to be a nurse when she finishes school, and so we're believing that for her as well. And, and Catherine, while she's excited about one of her daughters, um, during the pandemic entered this uh, farmer training program that I've been describing, and they, they kind of learned basic principles about breaking the hard soil pan in the ground and properly spacing their crops and uh, using improved seed varieties. And so after one season, Catherine saw a really tremendous change uh, in her farm. She went from harvesting three bags of maize, which is about 100 kilograms of maize, um, each bag, so 300 kilograms, to 10 bags of maize. For Catherine, that means three times the income. And you could imagine what, how your life would potentially change if you had three times the income. For Catherine, the things that she was excited about was that she was paying for all of her kids to go to school this year. 
And she just, she wore it with excitement. She was very quick to deflect, though, that she wasn't the only one being helped. And so when she was talking about what was going on, she said there's, being, there's jobs that have been brought to this community. Our students are being educated. They're being taught to follow Jesus. We have a medical clinic that we never thought this community could ever have. And farmers like us are coming out of poverty. And she said, as one, she's talking about the people of Uganda. They have helped many people, not just us. So second story is a gentleman named Protus. Protus is a tall, kind of confident leader within the community of Namayemba as well. If we go to the next slide here. Uh, and Protus has three kids, Daniel, Samuel, and Ruth. And Protus is the head of the PTA committee, just started this year at the Aswan High School. Uh, kind of a lively gentleman. When I was there in October, I saw him in a room praying over uh, our graduating class before they went to go take their national exams. And I thought that was really cool. Like, you know, how did he get connected to all this? And uh, found out Protus uh, earlier in the year, like 20 million other Ugandans this year caught malaria. And malaria is a parasite that gets into your blood. And if not treated, it replicates really fast and, and you know, ultimately can kill you if it's not treated. Very easy to treat, but many people in Uganda lack you know, access to these types of resources as well as lack access to quality testing uh, that can confirm what it is that they're sick with. And so Protus got, went to the clinic, was treated right away, and uh, became better and became super passionate about what was going on. He saw how it was affecting his kids, how they were growing. But he also, you know, I remember I heard him stand up in front of the Parent Teachers Association, and, and he said, you know, if you, if you find me so sick as that I'm nearly dead, I don't want you to take me to any other facility. As one now has quality medical workers in our community, they have equipment that we could have never imagined. So for Protus, he said, they have every service this community needs, and we are in good hands. And these are just the little seeds. I'm describing people that don't work for the organization. They, didn't, they, they were never solicited to come be a part of it. They, they showed up and they were a part of it. And now they're continuing this movement of blessing and empowering their fellow community member. And it's really, really cool. Um, and so as we come to the end of the year, you know, we got a lot of things going on. We're you know, finishing our schools, building chapels. We're going to open up these new medical facilities. And if this at all was something that you know, touched your heart, uh, was exciting, you know, the, um, seeing the potential in this, you know, 50% of what is the population uh, in Uganda, the youth over there. We would love um, to give you an opportunity to partner with us. We have a table just outside over there uh, in a program called The Scholars. And The Scholars is kind of our monthly giving community. And it'd be similar to like a sponsorship program that you'd think of with Compassion or something, but a little bit different, where we actually utilize your monthly gift to help build out these communities that we're working in. And then you get to follow and see how it impacts the life of a student. There was a guy, um, Muhammad Yunus. He invented uh, uh, microfinancing. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. And he described the poor like a, a bonsai tree. And it was a really, it's a really interesting illustration. He says that you know, if you take a, a miniature version of a bonsai tree and one that's 100 foot feet tall, uh, there is no difference between the two of them. You have like exact replicas, one's just a lot smaller. And it's, an, it's entirely because 
of their environment. One was in a small pot and one was in the open land. And the way that we think about our work in this scholars program is that you are investing in changing the environment, allowing people to grow and to blossom fully in to how God's created them and to be. And so it's a, it's a really fun program. You get to see kind of how they change, get updates in the mail and things like that. And but there's no set amount. You can do it at $5, $20, $50. And no matter what, it, you know, it helps move this work and this mission forward. Um, this is awesome. It's, first service was wonderful. Wonderful to be with you guys. I'm um, amazed by just your reach and the ways that God is working in your family uh, as a church and the ways it's extending and blessing others around the world. So thanks for, uh, thanks for welcoming me, Chris, and uh, wonderful to be with you guys today. Thanks a ton. That's awesome.